When Jesus is on the cross, he doesn't say a lot. He's up there for over three hours, which is really short for most crucifixions, and we get no big dissertations or pronouncements. We get seven little things, all about one sentence long. One of them, the one that sticks in my mind every year, is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You can read that and keep going, or you can ask why Jesus refers to God the Father as a separate person. Why not? My Father, my Father, have you forsaken me? It's very human, Jesus, here that we see. One who doesn't seem to think of himself as very divine. But maybe he's just using a figure of speech. But then he uses that word that I can't shake. Forsaken. Does this match with the Jesus you see on Facebook graphics with the enormously ripped abdomen and the steely look on his face of hardened determination? That guy's a confident fighter. He's a valiant warrior. He may be overpowered at the moment, but his strength is superhuman. The crucifixion hurts for sure, but he takes the beating like a man. Because he knows that this is all part of the plan. He knows how this story ends. Where Pilate is going to go after he dies and how many degrees it will be. And so he faces his fate with confidence. Because this Jesus, the guy with the MMA fighter body, was part of the plan from the very beginning. He and the Father sat up in heaven and they devised all this. They poured a cup of coffee and said, hey, I got an idea for you. And they agreed it would hurt in the short run but be worth it in the end. And agreeing to the terms, Jesus went down to earth to do what needed to be done, sit-ups and push-ups, and die. And that's kind of what we all believe a little bit, isn't it? I mean, Jesus says so many times, it is necessary that the Son of Man die. Or he tells Peter to get behind him. When Peter even hints that maybe Jesus shouldn't die. And Jesus could have avoided Jerusalem and just stayed away from Pilate completely. So it all seems like it was all part of a big plan. And Jesus not only knew, but he set it in motion. But why then cry about being abandoned? If it's all part of the plan, then... There was no abandonment. There was no being forsaken. It was just follow-through. When you say a word like forsaken, you think of being left in your hour of need. And not just your hour of need, but an hour of need where you expect someone to be there. When I think of being forsaken, I think of you know troops who go out to battle. Some little group gets sent out into a valley and they get stuck, 
and surrounded, and the general just decides, you know what, it's not worth the casualties to save them. And they stand there, surrounded, going, why have you forsaken me? I think of the spouse who puts her life on hold to support her husband through med school, shortens her career to support him. He gets his degree and takes off with the secretary. Why have you forsaken me? I think of that boat, that boat of Jews who came from the Netherlands in the late 1930s. They had a young girl on that boat named Anne Frank. The boat came up to the east coast of the U.S., but there was concern at the time there would be too many Jews in the U.S., and that would affect our American character. So the boat was sent back to the Netherlands. And we know how that part of the story ends, don't we? Forsaken is not just feeling bad. It's being left behind. It's being betrayed, or as we'd say today, thrown under the bus. My God, my God, why have you thrown me under the bus? There's nothing planned in being forsaken. So it makes you wonder how much Jesus thought he was going to get help in all this. I mean, did he figure he'd die, but God might make it quick? Did he think he'd be rescued at the last minute? What did he think was supposed to happen that didn't? Whatever it was, it's not how it worked out. And Jesus felt like he was left there hanging, quite literally. So maybe Jesus is a lot more human and had a lot less knowledge of the future than we thought. Maybe he was surprised by what happened to him or the severity of it. Maybe he couldn't really understand in the moment why. Which is the next question. Why ask if you already know the answer? If it's part of the grand plan that you concocted over coffee on the seventh level of heaven, then you already know why. You don't need to ask. It doesn't add up. Or maybe, maybe it's my ideas that don't add up. Maybe I'm so wanting Jesus to be so omnipotent and not that human that I soothe myself with the thought that it was all planned this way. Which means God isn't the meanie who leaves people hanging. My God wouldn't do that, couldn't do that. But the Bible says what it says, and it says God did. And it says Jesus cried out and asked why it happened to him. He cried out, cried out and asked why he'd been forsaken. And I have to wrestle with what it means that God is so willing to choose weakness that he doesn't even intervene to rescue his own son. And if he doesn't rescue Jesus, then what? It leaves me with a faith that has no crutches, no guarantees, no big grand scheme. Just God who somehow loves and forsakes. And that's where we will leave it this Good Friday. We won't have answers or comforts. Just a loving Jesus, a cruel world, and a cold cross lonely and forsaken.
Amen.